think I was trying not to put pressure on myself but I think it's quite hard when I had like an eighth place and a fourth place before and is it possible but you don't want to dream it and believe it and just trying to keep your emotions in check. Hello and welcome to a very exciting episode of The Run. And we've got a whole selection of the British team to chat to in just a few moments time. But Will and I are going to have a little discussion first because I'm actually flying off to the World Games tomorrow before we've had a chance to speak to the athletes. So we're going to get some of our thoughts on um, uh, incredible World Championships for the whole of the British team. It was amazing to, to be there even just the organisation and the courses were fantastic as well. And I want to start off with a little stat of that the team won as many medals in so in just over five days at this walk. They won four medals. That's um, the same as their GB had won in the previous 17 years, dating back to walk 2005, which was in Japan. I mean, there's so many records and stats you could bust out about uh, the incredible nature of this team. But... Um, Will, you were watching from home. How did you take it all in? Uh, with, with great difficulty while trying to be on work calls and not get too excited. <laughs> impossible. Uh, so I, impossible, yeah. So I got a slight trouble from my boss because he was like, well, she, you just speak up a bit more next time. Like, well, I was trying to watch the British team get a medal. So, you know, show some respect. <laughs> Obviously didn't say that. Um, yeah, so it was obviously very painful for me not to be there in person. And, and representing a walk. But the fact that the team was doing so well made the whole week very exciting for me, like watching from home. So I was just streaming it live, often after the fact as well. So I was having to stay off social media after the working day and then watch back up in the, catch back up in the evening. Oh my gosh. So um could then enjoy everything afterwards. <laughs> it was a little bit stressful as well. Um, but yeah, I thought it was just the locations that the organisers had picked were fantastic. The courses looked really good and incredibly difficult from the uh from the alleyways that they'd opened up from the barriers that they put in artificially from the even the run through on the individual day going through that <laughs> small pond it was deeper than everybody thought it was a lot deeper yeah i think alexi Nemi took a face full of water mm, at one point that was wasn't quite the funny. only one um yeah, so it just it, from a distance, and Catherine, you may be able to say this, but it looked like a fantastically organised event, very good courses, very good mapping. I don't think there was, unlike the World Cup in Boris, yeah. there wasn't really any queries on the mapping, maybe one or two that I saw, but not really many. Probably the mistake on the sprint relay that we'll get into in a minute <laughs> was the uh, the biggest one. Yeah, yeah. It looks and fantastic. people weren't even complaining about the map in terms of that one. Everyone was like, why on earth did they go down yeah, there? What That's, the hell did you do? A, yeah, a massive mistake <laughs> running into some out of bounds um, parallel to a, a railway track. Yeah, I mean, the course setters had really tried to surprise the athletes. So that meant maybe like a, a remote start from the, the sprint and, um, you know, using yeah. different parts map of the map. Map flip after two controls. Map flip after two controls putting in all those little barriers, opening up things. They, I think they'd worked really, really hard over years to kind of mm. negotiate all of those different gates being opened. And the courses were truly technical. They they tried to say they, they hadn't given anything away to the TV cameras. You know, they hadn't wanted to make compromises for to make it more broadcastable. And I hope 
that came across um because it certainly felt like it you know i think that and actually ends up giving a better tv broadcast because people it's so technical people make mistakes you have more drama you have a better story it's better tv ultimately i think to make it as technical mm. as you can and i think the telling thing is what i was looking at yannick michael strava and he said after the qualifier for the individual uh, way more you know, quote unquote way more technical than i was expecting and i think mm. they really did a good job of making sure that the technical standard was required for out because often the qualifiers you get a lot easier mm, mm. And it's just a physical race make sure the best people get through but they they didn't compromise on that either and it was like you've got to be good enough fast enough and good enough to get through i think i'd gone into the meet going right don't think too much about metal prospects or anything don't get too excited like we know the team want a sprint relay medal and they're in the best shape that they have been but anything can happen there's individual medal prospects but the knockout sprint is so unpredictable it's so volatile you know a tiny <clears throat> mistake is amplified and the individual sprint is so packed full of people that could make it on the podium that i was just like well there's chances but you never know what's going to happen and um I don't know, Will, if you could, if what you could hear about my reaction on the broadcast, but I was, I tell you, I was trying to keep it together when Meg won and crossed that line. It was actually seeing Alice in tears that made me go. I think that made you go as well. Had to try yeah, and recompose. Yeah. I had to try and recompose myself to like finish the broadcast. And honest, honestly, the broadcast ended. I turned off my microphone and I burst into tears because. I don't know. It's it's a very intense thing being there, but I know this these athletes. This is the team of all the teams that have been since I started working at World Championships. This is the one I know the best. They're, you know, becoming a bit closer to my age. I've known them for more years now, and I know the amount of work they've put in. I know mm. how much they all deserve to be there and to be performing at this level and and it's not just about the medal hall it's about the whole way the team have carried themselves throughout the whole world championships it's it's the depth that we've got and it's also those special performances that just make it and for meg and alice who i just happen to probably personally know the best of the whole team alice used to be in my club i see meg around quite a lot at events around in the south of england it was amazing to be able to see their success know the people behind them and just be in that moment so i was kind of mm. a bit of a wreck for the next like few hours <laughs> um uh, just trying to think about what they've done and for megan as well to end tova alexanderson's winning streak at, at the world cups and world championships Tova seemed untouchable for so long. There's been so many matchups mm. this year between Megan and Tova Alexanderson, and she came out on top on this one. She's all, yeah, yeah. And Tova's always just got the better of her. I think as well, it comes into how much the team has been affected, individual people within the team have been affected by different illnesses and stuff. You know, coming out of the World Cup, Meg getting COVID, not being able to run for a couple of weeks. Alice obviously having that lower par world cup 
possibly mm. probably also had COVID at the time. Charlotte having, you know, the JK, she couldn't finish the JK sprint because yeah. Achilles went off the start yeah. line. Um, Chris, again, the same, had COVID at, uh, at the World Cup. Ralph possibly also. So it's just all of that kind of stuff, even from just this year mm. and everything surrounding the, like, the limited walk that happened last year mm. and then coming into what was felt like a back to a proper full one again. People could go and watch it properly. You know, selection races were all held in one single place. You know, you, um, and there was just the vibe from the sprint team all the way from you know, going to Mock, going to Antwerp. It, yeah, it was just a real cohesive unit that I think it came across a lot in the um, the team social media posts of it's a very close close group that fits yeah. very well together yeah and there's obviously a few extra people um involved now as well yeah emma wingstead being a coach maurice strain mm. as well the physio lassie um lassie Gron, um joe stevenson jenny um jen johnson as campbell you know there's a lot of people in the background as well yeah. that support uh, mark saunders alice bedwell um that support and help and it feels like it's really moving into place you know Obviously, the the aim for all of us is probably walk in twenty twenty four, but it does feel there's a cliche as well, maybe. But it does feel like the team is moving to a place where I've not felt like it had been before. Um, moving in the next couple of years, so it's just lo- nice to see those people rewarded for even just the struggles I've had this year. I could really get a sense of the team spirit, and you know, success breeds success. It's a it's a known thing in sport, and they just keep kind of pushing each other to achieve and inspiring each other to achieve i mean poor mm. alice waiting till the last race to to go and have her opportunity but she'd been so inspired by the God, jobs yeah, beforehand and not everyone will be happy with their performances this week certainly you know chris disqualified in the sprint final by missing a control he would have got a bronze medal i think unfortunately nathan missing out of the the sprint uh, the sprint qualification um you know a few people maybe thought they got knocked out a little bit too soon it's not 100 percent successful but orienteering never is <laughs> and um no i know everyone will take whatever take so much out of that experience going forwards and just do amazing and speaking of uh, Walk 2024, there were loads of people from there at this World Championships, which was great to see, you know, looking at the fine detail of how everything is done at a major event like this and to take that forward to Edinburgh to put in our own World Championship. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. No, convinced about that. Um, should we get into the results from the week in case anyone in case anyone missed them? So Sprint Relay, um, third place Norway, um, coming back from a horrendous mistake on leg two from Lucas Leland. And if anyone's not seen the sprint relay coverage, go back and watch the uh, the mistake that Jerry had on Lucas Leland, Mika Kumala all did on the second leg because it kind of opened up the way for the Brits to uh, about 30 seconds down on Lena Strand of Sweden on after first leg, kind of opened our way to, to get back into the game. And GB obviously second place and Sweden retained retain their title. They yeah, yeah they've got four in a row yeah, now. Retain their title. Four in a row, god damn. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah, Megan, uh, Tove Alexanderson going out head-to-head on last leg. Sadly, yeah. Tove just had the um, the legs on her in the end. But uh, yeah, a pretty dominant performance really by Sweden in the end, given um, everything else that happened. But 
But it was a very dramatic sprint finish as well at the end for oh, third, yes. fourth and fifth. Yeah, <laughs> really close with Denmark in uh, the mix as well. Yeah, really cool to see. Yeah. Uh, they really had to climb up uh, those steps. It looked, was absolutely brutal. And then they were onto a red carpet, which was over the grass. It was incredibly energy sapping. It was like the worst mm. surface to run on. Uh, knockout sprint. Uh, so all of the Brits got through the uh, the knockouts, which was, was very good. So 12 people going through from each heat. The Also very glad that they decided to broadcast the um, the quarterfinals for free. Because mm. I think without that, you would have lost a lot of the narrative for the semis and the finals. Yeah, so we managed um, to persuade them to, to do it. It wasn't the plan for the IOF broadcast, but they were being produced for the arena spectators anyway. So we were like, oh, well, if you've got cameras cool. there... We may as well use them. So, yeah, we put it online. And hopefully that's going to keep going in the future now as well because we've only ever previously done the semifinals and the finals. But I agree. Those quarterfinals were dramatic and good fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I would genuinely recommend anyone, if you're ever thinking of running a knockout sprint, go go and see how they all differ because those athletes were only in one of them. And mm. you've only seen how one of those quarterfinals was run, but you've got 11 more to look at that were all run completely different ways. Yeah. And I think what was the cool thing as well, I think throughout the whole of the knockout is that there was a lot of decisions made based, there was no forking on the courses, but there's a lot of decisions mm. made based on route choice and who yes. thought it was better. Yeah. Um, and people weren't afraid to take better routes, which I think a lot of people have been quite nervous about mm. knockout just creating a following race which i think there was a bit of that in the finals um from some athletes quite distinctively i think they did some of them did the old jerry had on didn't open up the map and just <laughs> start following um which is fine because it's probably what anyone would do in, to try and get a medal but it seemed to be that it was really a lot of different routes cho- chosen a lot of people trying to roll the dice to make it through because i think with the quality of athletes mm. um particularly in those quarterfinals people couldn't just rely on the sprints no you had and to they had to risk. try and break away yeah. yeah, yeah, it was incredible. So it was pretty, uh, pretty good to watch. Everyone of the Brits made it through the quarters, apart from Grace Malloy, mm-hmm. I believe. And then in the semis, I think we had some of the worst orienteering I have ever seen, <laughs> apart from my own personal. <laughs> yeah, there was some. There was some uh, like men's there was some semifinals. Let's be honest. Incre- yes, I yeah. Uh, oh no, it was the one with Tove Alexanderson and Simona Abasold where. Yeah, Teresa Anashikova, Victoria Hester, Beyonce, which went, started navigating to different controls. Yeah, they did the whole loop backwards and then did the whole loop backwards again. I really felt actually for um, for Hornick, the Polish athlete who didn't have a control register, would have mm. qualified through and then also mispunched in the individual, yeah. which would have had a top 10 result, Oof. I think. So that was, that was quite heartbreaking. Mostly also because it would have kept one of the bigger names out of the final mm. that we always see. So... I think it was Lena Strand that got bumped up. Yeah, she um, did, yeah. So that was quite quite hard to see for uh, for Hornick. But I think it was Charlotte's one where um, Eleanor Roos, maybe it was Lena Strand and Eleanor Roos in that one, then Hornick yeah, yeah, yeah. got away because they, they're making so many mistakes. Yeah, they, they got away and then they kind of just ran into a dead end as they were coming out of the car park. That was, mm. yeah, mistakes everywhere in that it, heat for me. Absolutely everywhere. It was, it was crazy. Um, so yeah, people should go and watch that for... Mm-hmm. how Hornick kept calm and managed to get away and you know did different routes and things uh but it was really dramatic and the thing it took us through to the finals where uh, what, what I learned as well from that there was two different ways of taking it you can either sit at the back like Matthias Kibbert and yep. Tim Robertson do yeah pick your own routes and see what happens from there or you can front run it like Tove and Meg did yeah um 
and that's kind of the the two different tactics that people yeah. had and it's amazing the people who either aren't at the front or aren't right at the back are stressed mm-hmm. really really mm-hmm. stressed and you could just see it on people especially in the men's you could just see the panic on people's faces oh, oh i'm not seeing not seeing second man that was so Better tight move up. yeah uh, so yeah, it was and the re- overall results. Matthias Kubert's taking another another win, so he's now European and world champion in the knockout sprint, and he won in um, Barros as well. And two less yeah. well known, but I think up and coming Swedes in second and third. Yeah, August Mullen and Jonathan Gustafsson. Yeah, um, that Chris Jones in sixth place in the final. Tim Robertson is an agonising fourth after he did most of the navigation work, choosing his own yep. routes throughout the whole thing as well. So it's real shame that he kind of wasn't rewarded for being the gutsy one and going solo from the pack. Mm. Um, but yeah, top six in the final, you're guaranteed a podium. It's still yep. a good result, six yeah. in the world. So, Amazing uh, stuff. Yeah. Yep. And then, of course, the women. And then we came on to the <laughs> women's. Yeah. Yeah, where it just seemed like Tova... Meg front running I think Meg was ahead for a bit of the first bit then Tova overtook that middle section she just managed to run away from the rest of the pack ended up being about 15 seconds that was ahead and Meg kind of ended up losing the tails but maintained exactly the same tactic she'd had the whole way through to keeping in control of her orienteering having amazing flow and then it was Yvonne Dongen who was following her chasing her getting into that uh, third place locked on yeah amazing stuff and that's from the Netherlands. Yeah, Best so ever result for the Netherlands. Netherlands first first ever medal. Yep. Yep. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. She's actually yeah. Uh, lives in Sweden, has a Swedish partner, but only picked up orienteering in first only first did orienteering in twenty eighteen. Wanted to try a name for walk twenty twenty and obviously now into um, you know, into a medal oh, spot. Incredible stuff. Yeah. Um but yeah, another win for Tova who was so impressive and, and Meg I mean, again, like incredible stuff from Meg. Just mm. orientated like she'd done the all the all the way through the knockout sprint. And yeah, so then the British first medals individually, I think, at Wax since Scott Fraser in twenty thirteen as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a first in a while for us as well. And then on to the individual day. So <laughs> two races, I don't even know two medals start for, on this for individual day. Yeah, let's well, stop. <laughs> Start with the qualifier. Very good qualification courses, I thought. Um, yes. A couple of names missed out. Nathan Lawson for GB, sadly. Uh, Isaac von... Krusenfreiner. Uh, Christianter. Krusenfreiner. Um, <laughs> I have practiced that, I tell you. He's not run much this year. No, yeah. he's been super injured. He's been quite injured this year, hasn't yeah. he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... For me, that was it was a bit. It was a bit of a sad one not to see him through, but not really a surprise. It wasn't too surprising, no. Um, but yeah, I think... They were the only ones to miss out. Yeah. Um, Chris won his heat. Charlotte won her heat. Meg won her heat. So, you know, three heat winners and the others not doing too bad either. No. Uh, and then on to the final. So the men came first. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the... And Kevin, you'll probably have to shed some light on this. The frustrating thing for me was that the, the TV broadcast really didn't want to show the Brits. Or some of the other, or the Aussies, or the Kiwis, it seemed as well. So um, Aston Honestly, Keys suddenly the, appeared with an early winning time. Yeah, the um, the sprint race is the hardest to broadcast by far because they're coming so quickly. And sometimes we now have a ninety second start interval in the sprint. This was only a sixty second. We have a ninety second, so we can tell the story of that person before the next person comes through to the TV control. At this point, I'm not sure why we only had sixty seconds, and there's stuff going on all the time it's just the luck of 
that's almost who gets shown. But the problem with the women is that we lost about the connection to about five cameras after a third of the women's oh, course. was that it? We don't know whether, whether you know, someone had driven across it and it had broken or it had been sabotaged or what happened at this point. I don't know. But yeah, suddenly I get a hit, a, a, something in my ear from the director saying we've lost the first TV control. So all we could see was like the arena passage, oh. the last bit and the final. So yeah, that's why we occasionally got some random like that makes more Lithuanian sense. into the yeah. finish. It's like who's coming 12th on like why are we seeing them okay. that's because we lost so unfortunately yes we couldn't see the likes of meg alice any of the top you know any of the top ones really start or see them through that first point anyway so yeah mm. that was a big shame but um fair enough okay and there's there's, all, there's so yeah. much going on and it's so hard to predict but yeah aston key getting a fifth spot that was pretty incredible fifth spot Ralph Beating Matthias Kibbutz, he was seventh. Yeah. Defending champion. Defending champion. No, not yeah. defending champion, obviously, yeah. but knockout champion. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find other big surprises. Tim Robertson down in 21st. That was Ooh, surprising. I thought he, he would do a lot better. Yeah, I thought he he was prob- he was a favourite for a medal, if not the win for me. Mm. He made a mistake early on, and it was that was pretty much all gone for him. And I mean, and it, it was the story of the day actually his mistake because it was going up a dead end, mm. and it seemed to be a lot of people mm. were going up dead ends, especially for the women's race, but um, in in that one, and that seemed to really just rip people's races apart. Mm. Mm. It was such a shame. It was such a shame. But you have to be spot on the orienteering, and you know there were there yeah. were um, marshals on open gates and on closed gates because they had to make sure the open gate stayed open and the closed gate stayed closed I think there was genuinely about 150 people out on the course just to make sure a, you could see a lot of them on the there. broadcast yeah. you could see a lot of them on the broadcast but they were just making sure everything was fair for all of the runners um, and obviously we've got to talk a little bit about Chris's um, miss punch uh, he says he ran yeah. just ran past control number 12 couple of seconds out happened at a mat flip right uh, it was it shortly the after the mat flip it was it was the second control oh, okay. after the mat flip yeah I think it just shows what a technical sprint it was to be honest you know it's you're pushing mm. so hard that you can make stupid mistakes like this because he was the last starter so he knew he'd finished in third he knew he was going to be on for a medal get the download and no he missed the control out so yeah. I know Ralph, I think, afterwards said, yeah, he would have taken seventh place if it meant Chris got a medal. Absolutely. He would, you know, would much rather see that happen than get, a, you know, get a sixth place and therefore a podium place for, for him. So absolutely yeah. gutting. But Chris, you know, stuck around to, to watch the women's race. And yeah, I'm, I'm sure he's glad he did because that was the most uh, insane race. Um Alice was on the leader's chair for a long time, I think, because she was thinking she was looking at Tova at the end. She thought it was going to be fourth again. I mean, I'm sure you'll ask her about it. And, you know, rewarded with a third place with what she said was a, a fairly average run. And then Meg Carter Davis, the last starter. We knew what everybody had done in front. We knew Simona at that point was in the lead. And then we get her through to the second to last control and she's four seconds ahead. And incredible stuff incredible mm. things from you know from Megan Carter Davis just that spot on orienteering taking the good route choices not making any mistakes amazing world champion yeah yeah and Tove Tove's one second from not being on the podium as well Ooh. sixth place yeah um, but yeah so Meg six seconds back with Simona Abersold 
18 back to Alice and then Andrina Benjaminson one second behind Alice as well so that was close to anything so the margins was, are, um, the margins are never this tight in the women's it was really tiny. good to see yeah yeah it was fantastic Charlotte Ward 17th place oh, so top 20 for hers I think she was a she was 20. disappointed but I mean still come on top 20 yeah walk. it's still a good consistent result um, and yeah considering at JK she couldn't run yeah, pretty good. I, so I know was, she's uh, yeah, disappointed, but there's, as... there's more to come from her, I know. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, definitely. After this inconsistent build-up, yeah, more to come. So Britain ends with four total medals, best walk haul ever. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what to say anymore about this team, to be honest. Enough chat from us, enough, enough analysis from us. Uh, I will go and dash off for my flight now, but uh, Will, it's over to you and the rest of the team. So I'm joined here by the successful British team from the World Orange Cheering Championships, Asleek, Mekad Davis, Chris Jones and Ralph Street. You know, firstly, guys, congrats on such an awesome week out in Denmark. It was truly special to watch you all competing um, at such a high level, a really deserved level across the whole week. Um, I guess let's start at taking it back six weeks or so to the World Cup and what was quite a tough weekend for the team, I think, where there was a lot of illness coming out of the camp. Um how did you prepare from the events of that um, through to the World Champs over that six weeks? Um, well, I got a bit sick after the World Cup. So priority one, get healthy again. And then basically work out a plan to get as fit as possible for the World Champs. So um, quite a quick turnaround, basically. I'm not a hundred percent sure I'm fully back. Actually, I, I don't. I don't know, but I know that my heart rate is still diff- is different now than it was before I was sick. Yeah, yeah, similar to Ralph. I was. Um, I took a few days off, uh, recovered, but then it was a bit of a, um, bit of a fight then to, to try and, try and get fit, and I, I crammed uh, a decent amount of training into sort of a week and a half before I then had to ease back and uh, I felt I felt pretty good for the World World Champs but um, it wouldn't have been the preparation of choice let's say that and then looking forward from that to um, to the technical side of the preparation and Alice how did you guys approach the the technical side of things you know the geeking that you had to do and and any of the prep, which I think if people go and look at Chris's Twitter, he's put up all of the maps that you guys made um, as part of the preparation. Yeah, so we spent quite a lot of time as a team um, kind of chatting through the maps. So just getting together on Zoom calls um, in the lead up to World Champs, looking um, maybe at where we thought the courses might go, kind of some of the different challenges that the planners would throw at us. Um, yeah, it was very helpful to have those maps. Um, a big thanks to to Chris and the rest of the team who put the work into mapping those. Yeah, Chris, Chris has done a really good job there. I think <laughs> our maps are better than the other ones that have come out as well so far. I haven't, I haven't ever tried to count the hours. Um, I just, I, I like added a block at a time, so like half an hour, forty five minutes at a time, just sit and add a, a chunk and. I, I I started Fredericia uh, in twenty nineteen before when it was meant to be uh, World Champs in twenty twenty, 
and yeah, I kind of I put them down for for a long while, and then at the start of this year, I kind of picked them back up, and um, yeah, just um, work through, and then I think Meg actually finished the the Vila map, did the last few uh, few bits, um, but yeah, it was just I wanted to. Um, as much as have the maps, but walk around and just see what, what it was like. So. so then now let's move through to the start of the week. So um, first up was the sprint relay, obviously second place for the team in that one. Um, you, can you talk through some, you know, some of the uh, some of the tactics that you had going into it or what the plan was for the team going into the race? Yeah, yeah, it's all. It's it's always going to look different, um, you know. They they opened stuff up and we opened stuff up that wasn't going to be open, um, and when you put barriers in, you know you can close off roads, you can close off alleyways. So, um, Rick Murray Murray said it best, and he said you're not you're not trying to guess the answers, you're trying to guess the kind of questions they compose you so um i think they did a really good job with the the courses right um they they certainly changed the areas enough that um it wasn't just about preparation you had to to orienteer really well as well so So then, um, did that you know? Did the tactics change at all with sending Meg out in the lead on the last leg? You know, do you think those those plans changed, or was that you know always the plan to to send her out high up, or was there any talk around what would happen depending on the situation that she was sent out in? I guess myself and Chris discussed quite a lot which order we'd like to run, um, and we were hoping to have a little bit a bit of a test. At the World Cup in Burros, but unfortunately, didn't manage to get to the start line. Um, but I think we're we're happy with the decisions that we made. I think uh, maybe Chris can explain a little bit more about what he what he thinks. Yeah, I think uh, I actually found out. I think more in the knockout day, but I think I'm probably more comfortable running on my own. Third leg is, is really good. I not to say I can't race against others, but yeah, certainly the the last few years where I've not been doing so much orienteering, it's um it's easy for me to get knocked out of my, my rhythm. So I think we, we we probably had a good good order with Ralph on second and me on third because I just had a little bit more space to do my own thing. I think we've discussed it less this year actually than we did previously. I think there was just a kind of acceptance that Megan will go out in a in a decent position and she'll do whatever needs to be done basically. We've had we've said it before that you know you don't have to um do anything special. 
But uh, I think there was that belief this year that, you know, ra- rather than just seeing it, we believed that we didn't have to do anything special. We just went out and tried to have average runs. Oh, absolutely. So then moving on uh, to maybe the, the key part of the race, Ralph, the mistake that took out about six Norwegian, well, not six Norwegian, but six teams in and around you on the, uh, on the second leg. What happened there? And, uh, and how come you're good enough not to do that? Well, I, do, I, do, I have no idea really what they were thinking when it happened. Um, from my perspective, I was actually just at the off the back of this group and we were running pretty hard and I was kind of thinking, well, it'll be all right. I just can, I can stay with this group or I can try and drop them if I can, but Megan and, and Chris will, will clean up after me. And um, and then they took this left-hand turn and I went, I'm pretty sure that's not the way we're going. Had a look at the map. No, that's not where I want to go. And I thought, right, well, here's an opportunity to get some seconds, get maybe 10, 15 seconds, and let's really go for it. And then crossed back over the course and they still weren't there and got back into the arena and they weren't there. And sort of heard on the commentary that they've dropped a minute. Just like, I couldn't really understand what had gone on, basically. Um, I think you you know you get put under pressure as a group. You're running as hard as you can. They're chasing the the guy in front, the Swedish team, and just something goes wrong. They get in the wrong place in their in their heads and end up following the railway a step too far. And then it's over. Um, yeah, it was a big mistake, definitely. Absolutely, a big, well, big, biggest of the weekend, probably. Um, so now no, onto the knockout again um, for you guys. What was the uh, what was the feelings going into the knockout and um, that kind of big long day of, of sprint orienteering? There was any nerves or just pretty calm after the experience of having done it in Boris again. We we know it's it's a it's a long horrible day, basically. You run a lot. You run probably 30k if you do the whole day. And Chris has actually summed it up really well with, I'll do a 3k in the morning and then do three 1500s in the afternoon. And if you told anyone else that, they'd think you were totally crazy. But here we go. Try and try and do that. So it's, yeah, it's an unpleasant day, but we've both been through it before. So you have a rough idea of what you need to do at all the points. And luckily you've got a day afterwards to recover. No, absolutely. And and Chris, you were saying before about the the, uh, the tactics that you employed in the sprint relay of wanting to run solo. Can you just talk a little bit about your tactics for the final and things and, and how all of that played out? It was a, it was a, a bit of a up and down day because I, I, I started first sort of four or five or eight controls and the qualifier I wasn't particularly good I kept picking kind of bad routes but I was running fast enough and I qualified comfortably and then I got a a really really nice draw for a quarter final um, and I thought oh this is great I can sit in and just you know I've, I've got enough speed that I can outrun any of these guys in the last half so I'll just sit in and it'll be comfortable 
and then we were just absolutely garbage. We, the whole, the whole six of us, just in that quarterfinal, uh, the qu- just, just couldn't orientate. Um, I made a mistake early on with another couple of people where I ran down a dead end, and and then almost all the group um, started to go the wrong way. Uh, and the sort of bridge by the ramparts uh, I managed to realise fairly quickly and and then once I was in the last couple of, couple of minutes I was with Johnny and Johnny was absolutely um, going for it and I was sort of looking behind and I, we, we had a couple of sort of out and backs and I thought there's no one else here Johnny <laughs> it's just it's just us two and uh, the Hungarian guy sort of chasing us, and I thought we've we've qualified really easily here. And I don't I don't really know how. Um, so then in the semi final, I was like, if I do that again, I'm going to get absolutely destroyed. There's there's no way you have that sort of stroke of luck twice where you're not very good, but everyone else is not very good as well. Um, and I thought, well. I've got. I'm through to the semi, but if I go out here, it's not a great result. But I don't. The worst thing I don't want to go out with like a a rubbish performance because the qualify wasn't great, and then the quarterfinal was pretty rubbish. So in the semi, I was just going. Look, you can't go out here without firing a shot. You have to, you know, be a bit more aggressive, a bit more. Um, sort of, you know, you have to be the one doing things in this race. Um, and so I, I just sort of went in with the mindset that I had to, uh, if I saw an opportunity, I had to, to go for it. And quite early on, um, I saw an opportunity where I knew where I was going and I just tried to drive it from the front and I, I managed to run a fast enough pace that... Um, the guys behind didn't uh, couldn't get round, so the semi-final was some of the best orienteering I've done all year. Um, and then in the final, I kind of wanted to have that uh, mindset again, but I think I just uh, I didn't get, give myself the time to to wait for that opportunity. I kind of went and tried to go to the front straight away, be aggressive and. Um, and I just I missed uh, I missed an alleyway, and then I sort of hesitated for quite a big moment, and then that's the race gone. But you know, I I think I find that I said I find that running in in the group pretty pretty hard to do, and I'm I'm really happy I made it through to the final. Like um, I would have liked to have done better in the final. Um, I think I. Could have done better in the final, but um, you know I, I was pretty happy that I got through in probably what's not my best event. So um, it was a, it was a you know it was a day where actually probably three of the four races I wasn't satisfied with, but I had a, a kind of lucky draw and um, I managed to run well when it counted most, and I, I got a pretty good result out of it. So. Yeah. Fantastic. 
And um, and Alice, you were obviously not racing in the knockout, but what was it like in the arena for just seeing the everyone coming in? Meg getting a silver medal, obviously, in in that the the women's final. What what was it like from the outside looking in to to see the flow of the races throughout the day? I mean, it was so well organised. It was such an exciting day. Um, yeah, the planners and the organisers did an amazing job. It was, um, you know, we were there in the arena. They had the big TV. Um, the guys were coming through like an arena run through so you could be cheering for them. Um, yeah, it was very exciting. And, um, you know, to see the entire team do really well and put in a really strong set of performances. It's... Um, yeah, it was pretty incredible to watch, actually. I was just so happy for everybody, um, you know, to see them kind of doing average races, but banging out these great results. It's, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. It was, uh, mm. yeah, I wanted a piece of the fun. <laughs> it was, uh, wanted to be out there doing it as well. Well, <laughs> we'll get onto that in a sec, because you obviously had to wait until the individual race to uh, to start shining. But um, did the knockout change how any of you would approach it for the next World Cup round or the next time there is one, maybe what, 24? Would would you approach your tactics differently or or you know do any different training in the build-up for it? Knockout is really hard. Um, and I think I had a bit of luck through the day. I think Ralph probably didn't have the luck because it ended up that Ralph, um, both his quarter and Sammy, were absolute sort of dog fights in the last 400 meters and um, it, it's really hard when you're in that position because you know I think it, it's a game of inches um, and that's not something I think we do a lot in orienteering but Ralph's pretty good at it I certainly feel like I was I was pretty lucky on that day and had the the rub of the green whereas um, I think others probably didn't. So I think my perspective from kind of watching it as an outsider, it was just so fast. Um, just that turn of speed, kind of when the race decides to go and it just goes up that notch. Um, it was just incredible watching, you know, people like six abreast charging down to the last control and into the finish, and just yeah, you go. You need that extra kick um, to go for the finish line. It's yeah, something different. I think probably the ta- tactics are going to evolve quite a lot before Edinburgh because it's still quite young and people haven't done that many races, at least on an international level. So I think, yeah, more more experience of running in the fields and in the different kinds of terrain, actually, or give different kinds of cities will probably create some changes over the next two years. Interesting. Well, we'll look out for those in the next kind of World Cup rounds. But now we're going to the, the final event of the week, kind of the Blue Ribbon one. And just as, perfect timing, Meg is joining the call. Um, but Alice, do, do you want to tell us about yeah your race? So a fantastic bronze medal, obviously, stepping up from the fourth place last year. And you had to wait all week to start um, to, to wait for your race. What was that like, kind of the waiting and then finally getting out there and racing? Yeah, so it was, I mean, it was pretty awesome inspiring week um kind of leading up to the race to see you know your teammates and your friends finally getting that medal and getting to live their dreams and be on the podium it was just it was awesome to watch it was also 
quite hard to watch because I wanted a piece of the action. It's um, kind of that double-edged thing. Um, yeah, and then just trying to kind of stay focused all week and stay motivated, um, kind of not just get carried away watching the races, but try and be sensible and to be preparing for my race. Um, I was definitely very nervous. I think just kind of having the one race and the one shot at it, um, maybe more so than previous years. I think I was trying not to put pressure on myself, but I think it's quite hard when, you know, I'd had like an eighth place and a fourth place before and you're like, oh, is it possible? But you sort of, you don't want to dream it and believe it and just trying to keep your emotions in check. It's, um, yeah, it was quite a tough thing. I think sitting in quarantine and trying to, to stay focused and was, yeah, very, very nervous. Um, but, you know, everyone else, we've been racing all year and they'd, you know, <laughs> come away with all those medals previously. It was, um, you know, we believed that we could do it. Um, yeah, just had to, to go out there and put down a normal race on the day. It's, um, yeah, that was good. So then, Ralph, you uh, you obviously came just on the podium and obviously commiserations, Chris, because it was, I think, very tough end to your race. Um, but it, uh, it bumped Ralph up onto, uh, onto, was that your first individual podium, Ralph? Sixth place? Yes. So what was that, what was that feeling like after, you know, going to world championships since 2013, I think was your first one, wasn't it, to finally make the, uh, the podium? Um, Individually. There, I mean, at the time, very, very mixed. Personally delighted to have got on the podium, but would so much rather be seventh. So, um, but Chris yeah. was very Chris was very nice about it. And everyone else was very nice about it. So, um, yeah. No, I did hear Chris that you were a bit of a gent. I think I think Graf deserves the sixth place because he can count to was it twenty two. <laughs> uh. um, and then obviously all came down to the uh, the final starter on the course and Megan you are now officially the the new sprint world champion has it got any have you got tired of hearing that yet or is it just uh still sinking in no no <laughs> no I'm pretty happy with that title <laughs> so cool. tell us about the race um yeah so I was I was going into it without any expectations really um like before this week, I mean, and um, I was kind of hoping for a top 10 maybe beforehand. And then since the knockout sprint, I was actually kind of thinking, well, I do have the speed for a medal. I've been orienteering well. I wasn't 100% sure on my endurance for like the full course because I had COVID recently and I don't know, I just hadn't really felt like I'd been that strong at the end of sprint races. But I was like, okay, well, if I can do it technically well, then I should still get a good result. So... I just sort of relaxed and focused on that the most. And um, yeah, so I was standing still at a lot of controls just to like double check my route choice and make sure I wasn't losing time. Because I think that's where I've lost a lot of time in previous wheel champs courses when I was running them back in. I think I've only run wheel champs sprint in 2017 and 2018. Um, but also like a lot of the World Cup sprints are a similar level of difficulty. And like route choices is always where I lose time. So I was just like, well, I might as well just 
spend a bit of time and get the route choices right and then see how that works out. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. yeah, I mean, when you say it like that, it sounds so easy. We should all just do that kind of calibre race all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I was coming in with, like, really good speed and just orienteering well, like, at a high speed. So I was pretty confident in that kind of side of things. So it allowed me to just kind of relax and enjoy the races. I tried I tried my best to just ignore the fact that it was wheel champs and just think about, like, a race against this field of people. And I thought I could do quite well. So. And you did. Yeah. And I think that maybe you guys haven't... I don't know if you realise or not, but yeah. the organisers hadn't prepared for it at all because they only have one GB flag prepped and actually available for the prize giving. So they had to borrow one from... I think it might have been Catherine, actually, to... Uh, to use for the podium ceremony <laughs> so, so they weren't prepped at all yeah, um but does this i guess looking forward now for, for you guys does this change anything now looking forward to edinburgh that's in two years time or so it's shifted back by two years maybe things have changed so much if this was a home world champs this year it would have been a very different feeling and doing this on home soil but do you change anything now going forward or just keep on doing the same stuff I think not. I think what we're doing is good. <laughs> Maybe just some very small tweaks, but if we just keep going as we are, don't put too much pressure on ourselves and just enjoy it, then we should still be in a similar position come walk 24. Yeah, it's clearly working. I think we've got a very strong and very good team and a lot of depth there to keep pushing us all on. Um, yeah, I think it's not letting that pressure of a home world champs change anything. You know, we're just going orienteering. At the end of the day, it's the same thing you do on a, a weeknight at your local club it's just a bigger stage it's <laughs> just read the map and find the controls yeah. and uh, yeah enjoy it with a, a home crowd <laughs> yeah it'll be extra special with everyone everyone that we know in britain to celebrate with hopefully frost and the fire's there and chris i know you said that you'd lost the fire and now it's back so hopefully for everyone in the team is going to be uh, all on to 24 now thank you for jumping on well done again and um yeah congrats